North Korea and detained in North Korea for 735 days. I was able to come home uh, in 2014, November 8th. Uh, because of prayer and concern for many people around the world, more than 177,000 people signed the petition for my release, as well as millions of people around the world remember me through their prayer. So I'm asking the people around the world now that as I came home, the people in North Korea, 25 million uh, people living in North Korea, and we, we want to pray for them and remember them and stand with them so that they will be able to rescue, to be able to restore their life and to be able to rebuild their life so that they can live their life according to what God has designed for them. Would you join with me to sign the petition for 25 million people living in North Korea to remember and to stand with and pray for the people in North Korea. Lord bless you and your prayer will make differences and we will see North Korean people will be able to rejoice in the Lord once again. Thank you. God bless you. Last couple of days, I, I felt the presence of God in this room. And as God is here with us, we need to acknowledge that how good God is, how we can trust Him, we can love Him, we can obey Him, because He is here to receive the worship that He deserved. We take the worship so lightly sometimes, because we can go to the church whenever you want, uh, we can read the Bible, we can get together and pray with one another. Uh, for those of you in youth group or so, and you can go hang out with your friends at a church. But that's not the same case for everybody living in the other part of the world. Especially the people living in North Korea. And then they used to be known as Jerusalem of the Far East. That's the Pyongyang, the capital city, was known for 100 years ago. There are more Christians living there, the more churches were there than any other place in Asia. But it became now a desolate place. Instead of the worship, instead of worshiping the true God, they're worshiping their leader, uh, Kim Jong-il and Kim Il-sung, their founder of the a founder and the president of the um, North Korea is being worshipped as a God, a living God, even though he's been, uh, you know, he died in 1994. So there, only worship they can allow is to worshipping of their leader, and that's all the freedom they have. But the Lord reminded me when I was in North Korea that God will soon open the door. God will soon restore the people of North Korea once again. God will open their eyes. They will see God's glory once again. God will open their ear. They will hear God's voice once again. They will open their mouth. They will praise God's name and give worship and glory to God once again. And this is why I began a journey to go into North Korea, to bring people to North Korea, to worship and pray in behalf of North Korean. I brought 300 people, just like the Gideon's 300 armies, and we brought in people who are worshippers and intercessors. People from 17 different nations participated, 
people from Africa to Australia, South America, North America, you know, from China and Taiwan and Hong Kong, all these people say, yes, I will go to North Korea to see the land and pray so God will heal the land, God will restore the worship once again, and God will bring a freedom so the people will be able to know the Lord and worship God. And that's what we did. In result, 300 people went to North Korea. We walked around the city, walked around the country. We saw amazing things in North Korea. But at the end, I was arrested, and after taking in the people, uh, 18 strips in one, one year. And I uh, was arrested, and they told me that I was trying to overthrow the government. And I said, how did I try to overthrow the government? And they said, through prayer and worship. And I said, you don't believe in God, why do you believe in prayer? You have more faith than most of Christians do. And then they said, uh, you know what? You brought people, organized 300 people to come into my countries, and you pray against us. You worship your God, and so you want to turn this country into the God's countries. And later on, they convicted me 15 years of hard labor sentence. I was, I was the first American was sent to the labor camp in North Korea. When I got there, it was a, I realized it was a labor camp for the foreigners only. There were more than 40 some guards and staff working there, but I was the only prisoner there the whole time. I had to endure the hard labor from 8 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock in the evening every day. I had to work in the field, I had to carry rocks, dig the, uh, digging the ground, and uh, shoving the coal, and shoving the snow. Oak is there was a, a hundred degree outside in the summer, minus twenty degrees Celsius, you know, Fahrenheit in the, you imagine, minus thirty degrees Celsius in, uh, in the winter time after work. So in night time I couldn't even move, I was so tired, my back was hurting, leg was hurting, the suffering was quite real. The suffering part was real. So I asked the Lord, how long will the suffering last, Lord? And the Lord spoke to me and said, even suffering is beneficial to you, Kenneth. Of course, I didn't like his answer. I want suffering to end. I want to go home. But the Lord said, there's a reason why you're here. But I am still with you. And my grace is sufficient for you. As I continue to put trust in me, and wait for the Lord. Because he said, he'll be my rescuer, he'll be my fortress, he'll be my, you know, the, the king that reigned in, even in North Korea. Uh, he um, gave, he provided everything that I needed, even things I craved. I talked about, those of you who came on last Friday and Saturday, I talked about God provided Hawaiian chocolate with macadamia nut. God is a wonderful God. In, we talked about North Korea prison. How can God can give me, uh, how, can any, how can I get Hawaiian chocolate or even beef jerky? You know what I was craving? I was craving uh, Kit Kat. So I shared that, um, I think it was a Friday and Saturday. Someone hand over a ticket today, this morning. Here. This is a reminder that God was with me. God provided everything that I needed. God protected me. God shows power 
and uh, and, uh, just the same that is I am in charge wait for the Lord I am your fortress I'm your rock I'm your salvation at the end it took me 735 days I was there for two years and five days that's a long time God didn't tell me when how God's going to bring me home but I knew because on third day he showed up mightily and said I am holding you and I'm still with you do not fear and wait for the Lord he said he said, you'll never leave me never forsake me so every time I, I, was, I was getting a tip, it was so difficult to handle I always had to go back to the promise of God that he had made on the third day of my detainments God did not say I have to stay another 732 days at that time. But every time I get tired or I, I was, I wanted to give up and I have to remind myself, God spoke to me. He's, um, He is God who keep His promise. Therefore, because I know His character, I know His nature, I must trust Him. Knowing who God is was so important at the time. And also knowing who I am in the Lord. I'm, I wasn't just anybody. It was God's idea. God sent me to North Korea. And God could have kept me out of the prison, but God let me in prison. It was so, therefore, I am in part of God's will. If I'm in part of God's will, and God said His will will be done, then I just wait for the Lord until God fulfills His promise that He made on the third day of my detainment in North Korea. But it took 735 days before I came home. And I realized when I came home that people around the world prayed for me. So it's not just a faith alone that I, have to, I was able to endure. The prayer of the people around the world, millions of people prayed for me. 177,000 people signed a petition for my release. You just saw a petition I'm putting up on the website right now pray number 4nk.org for people around the world to to remember the people in North Korea to stand with them and pray for them because I came home because of millions of people to pray for me if people care about one missionary who was in North Korea detained how about we need to care for 25 million people who never heard the name of Jesus Christ who never have a, who does not have any access to the gospel. Is there anything you can do about it? This is what the Lord convicted me that people remembered you when you were in prison. People care about you. They stood with you. I received 450 letters. People around the world that I've never met before and said, Kenneth, we are standing with you. You are not forgotten. Name of this conference is called Not Forgotten because people wrote to me and said, Kenneth, you are not forgotten. You know what the people, North Korea government people say? You are forgotten. You've been abandoned and nobody cares for you. And I said, no, that's a lie. Because people are sending me letters. People from Israel, Germany, England, US, Brazil, China, and elsewhere, they're sending this letter to me and say, Kenneth, we are praying for you. Some families say, our little daughter, six years old daughter, from England is we are praying for you every day hang in there we're standing with you you will come home soon as they pray press on 
and some people do it daily basis. I got a I got a um, the, you know letter from somebody living in the Midwest, and she said, "This this is what she said. This is two o'clock in the morning. I cannot sleep right now because I'm so awake because I'm praying for you." You know what happened? I met this person after I came home. She uh, worked with she uh, worked on the website for me. It's called freecannow.com. There was one even a website was created and people there's so many people involved getting the word out that I am in custody in North Korea. And they wrote many letters to their congressmen and governors, governors and senators, and they were saying, You gotta do something about this guy. And they start writing a petition campaign. 177,000 people wrote a petition on change.org to the President Obama. And President Obama, you should take this guy home. I realized later on, 2014, uh, February, uh, on doing the National Prayer Breakfast, President Obama made a remark and said, Kenneth Bay deserves to come home. We will do whatever, is, whatever we, we will do everything possible bring this guy home. Because he deserved to come home. And, and that was February 2014. 2014 November, nine months later, I came home. So, prayer does work. When we pray, God works. When God works, there's nothing impossible. And I came home and then uh, last year I met a person from White House who came to get me home. And this is what she said. That you speaking in front of me and standing in front of me, this is a miracle. We didn't think they could bring me home. Even when they came to get me home. Did you know the National Director of the Intelligence? Uh, you know? And uh, the James Clapper. He was number fifth in the rank in the cabinet. And he came to get me home. But they said it was so difficult. They didn't think it was possible. They didn't even know until 20 minutes before. Uh, they say they didn't let them know. It was the miracle. But God does a miracle all the time. For Him, it's not a miracle. When God promised, it will be fulfilled. And our response should be, if we realize that nothing can do, we can turn to God. And pray and say, Lord, can you do something? Because you are limitless. You can, you are almighty, all powerful. I turn to you, God. When we pray, we can move the heart of God. And God will answer your prayer, will bring glory to Himself. We can witness a miracle. We can praise God's name together. I want you to look at the verse that coming from, uh, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 1 quickly. Nehemiah was a part of the exile community. Maybe he most likely was born in exile because they were captive for many years. And, but he was as a cupbearer of the king, which means that he was the very inner circle of the, uh, on this, on this kingdom, especially in this, uh, the castle, in a, like a, you know, that he, they were living in. Nehemiah was right next to the power, and he was everything going well for him, 
So it's, imagine yourself, you're Nehemiah. You were born in USA, here. Your parents immigrated to USA when, when you probably were born here. Some of you are very little when you came. So imagine you're Nehemiah. You grew up here, you went to good college. You're in Boston. You had so many colleges to go to. And then, um, imagine you're getting a job in the White House. You're the part of the, the, you know, that you're working with the president in the side. President trusts you. And um, then you get to speak to president on a daily basis. Imagine yourself very successful. This is what happened to Nehemiah. Nehemiah was part of the captive, but he was successful. He was in the, in the, in the power of the, you know, the core circle. But he had a compassion for the people of his homeland. They are left behind in Jerusalem and Judea. And then he realized that someone came back from the homeland, so he asked about what's going on over there. And then, the, and then the, he listened, and then he see what's happening. So remember uh, verse 4, 2, he say, so what's going on with the people in Judea and Jerusalem? And then the verse 3, he say, when they were living there, they were on great suffering, and they're being persecuted every day. And Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the wall is all torn down, and is all burned down. The gates are burned down. So why did he ask the question? Because he cared for his people and left behind. Did, did he have to care? No. Was there something happening like from him? No. He was talking about hundreds of miles away. I think it's about 800, 600, 800 kilometers away from where he is at. That's like a couple of weeks of traveling distance at the time. But he cared for his people who were left behind in the land, who was desolated land. When he heard the news, this is a response of verse 4 and 5. When he said, I heard the news, and he sat down, and he cried. You know, cry means, it wasn't like he was just, uh, you know, cry a little bit here and there. I think it meant, it was really, he was weeping. He was so sad. He really convicted his heart. You don't just cry for days until they really matter, unless they really matter to them, to, to him. Maybe your father died, your mother died, or your, your, your brother or your wife or husband died. Then you maybe do this for you know, days. That means it wasn't for Nehemiah. These people were left behind. Is not the people that fall into him. Is dear to his heart. He loved them. He show that he was crying out to God for days. And then also he fasted for days as well. What this means is that he makes sure when he's, he, when he was crying out to the Lord, they became the priority. In his life. You know, I'm sure he was busy every day, but he was, he sat down means he didn't go anywhere. He just sat and he was just crying out to God and he was fasting God, fasting, and then he prayed to God. You know what this show is? He realized, he realized, he cannot do anything about it, 
But God can. That's what prayer is about. We don't need to pray for things that we can do. We can do it. God's not asking you to pray about things you can do. We pray for things we cannot do. And he wrote to God. And then verse 5, he said, You are the great, the fearful God. So he is acknowledging the who God is. And then he's also recognizing who he is. He said, I love you. I keep your commandments. And so he's saying that this relationship is being shown here. That means he, it's not like he suddenly started to pray. He's been praying. He's been having relationship with God. He said, God, you are the amazing, great, fearful God. And the who keep the promises, who is merciful for those who keep the commandments, who love you, Jesus. Not him to Jesus, but to God. So he acknowledged, and he does what he can. He said, God, I am praying for this matter. Why did he do that? He didn't have to. He was everything going for him. Sure, he can care about the people, his people, you know, here and there. But for him, this was everything. He cried out to God, fasted and prayed. Have a mercy on my people, Lord. You know what happened? God listened to his cry. And God sent him to Jerusalem, to Judea. And then he became a governor. He restored, rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. And people were not able to live there. Now people start gathering back. They start settling there. And then God started doing amazing things through Nehemiah. And this is the life of Nehemiah we're looking at for just a little bit of this morning. You know, when he went to, to Judea, when he tried to rebuild the wall, there was many obstacles to follow. It wasn't easy. Even though he was governor, but there's enemies trying to distract him, trying to find a way to stop building the wall. You know what building the wall means? Building the wall of Jerusalem means restoration of Jerusalem, restoration of God's people. Once again, they will be God's people once again. There is the total protection will be given to them. Physically, spiritual protection will be given. So the enemy knew what's happening. They were trying to discourage. But he did not listen to the enemies. He kept going and going and going. And the many joined Nehemiah. It wasn't Nehemiah alone who built the wall by himself. The many volunteered their time, effort. They said, I will stand with you. I will build the wall together. And because of enemy scam, and they had a, they were building, but there were people out there watching. Their one hand, their spear, they're building another hand. After completion of the wall of Jerusalem, people gathered together. I want you to look at uh, Nehemiah you know, chapter eight really quickly. If you look at Nehemiah chapter eight, he was talking about Israelite. All gathering after seven, when seven months came, and even there's other uh, villages, other towns, they all came together to Jerusalem. And then when they came to Jerusalem, 
And we're talking about uh, th- this is when everything is completed already. And then Ezra stood before the Lord. He got the word, the, the book of the law, and he started reading the book of law to the people. So we're talking about men, women, children, anyone that they all stood together. So if you look at verse five, and uh, Ezra stood, stood before the people, and then he opened the book of Nehemiah, the book of the law, and then everybody raised, everybody was stood up. And then verse six, he said, "And our God, great God, I praise your name." And then everybody, they, they raised their hand, and there was the Amen and Amen, and they bowed down and worshiped God. This we're talking about restoration of the worship. Who are the Israelites? They are the God's people, chosen people. They sinned against God. Their, their Judea was no more. Jerusalem was no more. They became captive for many years. They find that some of them start coming back. Someone left behind. But now the wall is being rebuilt. Now the wall was built. And now they get together for the first time. And praising God together for the first time. And the verse 7 and they talk about how the people, Levites and priests, were there next to the people, and then uh, teach, and, and then make sure that the, the people understand the word of God. They're teaching them, encouraging them, then then they let them know what does that really mean. So everybody, in verse eight, he said, everybody understood the word of God. You gotta think about this. They were captive. Their nation was no more. They never worshipped God. They never had a Bible. They never had the Word of God with them. But this first time they're hearing it. First time they're getting it. And the verse 9 is that all the people heard the book of law, God's Word. You know what they said? They all cried. I think the same way the Nehemiah cried. They cried. You know what happened? They didn't just cry. I think they wept. They wept. But you know what? The word of God convicted their heart. It's been a long time. They heard the God's word. And they're starting to repent on their sins. You know why he says no more? Because they were serving idols and they were doing all kinds of evil things against God. They took 70 years after they were being restored as God's people, as God promised them. God used Nehemiah, God used Ezra, to, and many others to rebuild, and now restoring the community together. And they all cried. I believe, I'm looking at the sea, I'm thinking about people in North Korea. For 70 years, they've been uh, living separate lives. 1948, this is when North Korea, South Korea was created, government was established. Next year will be marking 70 years. This is a very symbolic time we're living in. You heard of what's happening in North Korea right now. It's a very dangerous time. The more reason that we need to pray for people in North Korea, because God heard the cry and prayer of Nehemiah, God answered his, call, his cry and used him to rebuild, restore, rescue the people of, North, of the Jerusalem and the Judea. 
In the same way, I do believe that when we stand together, when we remember, when we stand with the people of North Korea, when we pray for the people of North Korea, I believe God will restore God's people in North Korea once again. I am the witness. I came back because your prayer, your concern, because you care about me, who missionary you never met. You heard a news in the community, a church, and say, there is a guy named Kenneth Bay who was detained in North Korea for two years. We should do something about this guy. Let's pray, sign the petitions, but let's make sure he come home. Because of your prayer, I was able to come home. I'm standing in front of you. I'm asking you to do the same for 25 million people do not have access to gospel. And this Nehemiah was used by God because he knew God and he knew who he is. He knew what prayer can do. He just gave it all out. There are many temptations, trials. He didn't care. He just went all forward for fulfill God's promise to be done. And God used him to do that. If you look at, um, let's look go to Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11 to 12. We're going to look at verse Isaiah 58, verse 11, 12. This scripture, I feel like this is like almost like scripture given to Nehemiah. It's almost like God chose Nehemiah, got heard his cry, and he led him the way. So even though desolated place, God used him through, through and then um, he became, his, his, uh, the bone got stronger, and he became like a water garden. And then, then uh, verse 12 is say, the people were born out of you. We will rebuild the ruin. And we build the foundation. And then they will be the call as a repair of the people. And they will build the wall. And this was a promise was, was given to Isaiah. And then it later on applied to the life of Nehemiah. How about us? We are comfortable. You are living in America. Do you know, I, I traveled 15 countries the last two years. There's no place like United States. Seriously. We have freedom. We have wealth. We have all the things going. You are in best school. You have a good job. But if we decided to care for the people who never have access to gospel, if you care, you will do something about it. Yes, we can just turn the other way and do whatever we need to do. But when God convicted your heart, God is giving you compassion for those people living in such difficulties in around the world, such as people in North Korea. And you turn to God and say, Lord, these are important to you. These people matter to you. They should matter to me. And I want to pray. I want to do everything possible. So that they will be free, they will be restored, and they will be rebuilt their life. When I came home, you know, my mom said, You have done your job, you have done your share, why don't you do something else? Just be a regular tour guide to Beijing or something. 
just go to the and say, follow me everybody let's go we'll go to the you know, palace and take a picture but I said to mom mom I cannot do that I was seeing their suffering there are 25 million people living like a slave every human being deserves to live like human beings freedom to speak freedom to believe freedom to go freedom to do the most important thing is freedom to worship God is freely until they can be free to be able to worship God as we have and I think this is the reason why God put me in prison for two years in North Korea through the experience I felt the heart of God his father heart is aching for a prodigal son to come back and then Lord said go home and tell the people what I've done for you go home and tell the churches around the world to, to remember stand with and pray for the people in North Korea and you came home because of prayer and concern and they will be able to come home when we as the churches around the world to stand with the people in North Korea especially those of us who are from China or Chinese descent Chinese churches has a lot of saying over the people in North Korea you have similar background, similar uh, you know histories. In in China, is a lot freer than any other any other time in, in the history in the last few seventy years. Would you do the same? Would you stand with the people who are perishing away without knowing who God is? You can be the Nehemiah. You can be the people who stood with the Nehemiah. And say, I will stand with you. We build the wall together. Nowadays, God is raising, mobilizing people around the world. I have a, a family who prayed for me when I was there. And he said, six years old. And then later on came up to me and said, you know, ever since I was four, I've been praying for you. She's six. I prayed for you every day before I went to sleep. Here you are. I was so thankful. I was so thankful. For the people who stood with me and remember me. I went to Brazil. I went to 15 different churches. Thousands of people committed their life to pray for North Korea. One grandmother came to me. She's 103 years old. And she said this. I've been praying for other countries. But I haven't been praying for North Korea. Until I go to see Jesus. I will remember the people of North Korea from now on. 103 years old. I would be so thankful. Would you stand with the people in North Korea and remember them? Pray for them? You can make a difference. When you go out, there is a, like a, this paper right here. You can take it home and make it as a, sign your name on it. And I have a reminder. The book, go to the website. Sign your name. When you sign your name, in your email, we will send you a prayer update. We'll have a millions of, we'll number of people who are um, um, praying for North Korea. They all go up. We want to see how many people pray in each country. We want to see how many people are committed to pray in Boston. You can make a difference. Because when you pray, God will work. 
God will bring salvation. God will bring glory. God will bring wonderful news to the people. Some people ask me because I moved to South Korea now, working with refugees in North Korea, North Korean refugees in South Korea right now. And you know what people ask me? So how long are you staying in South Korea this time? I say until North Korea is free and they are going to worship God together. I hope I can move to North Korea when doors are open. That there are many people maybe waiting for me there. Would you join hand and pray and remember them as Nehemiah care? had a compassion for his people. And through him, nation of Israel was restored. And people rejoiced in the Lord and brought reformation and revival. And then there was Israel after. Through that, another 400 years later, Jesus was born. Through him, we have life. Through him, we have eternal life. And Jesus cared for us when we did not care for Him. Jesus loved us when we did not love Him. He chose us when we did not know Him. And He is encouraging all of us. Remember those who have often been forgotten, isolated, never heard the name Jesus. Your prayer will bring the miracle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Last three days we talked about your faithfulness, your provision and your protection, your power, your mighty work in North Korea. And thank you for using me to be the vessel, to be the bridge to people. Lord, we are um, this weekend, Lord, as a name of the ministry, the cross bridge, Lord. Let us become a bridge to the people who do not know the Lord, Lord. People in Africa, people in the Middle East, and people living in North Korea, Lord. As brothers, sisters, as as body of Christ, we want to stand still, Lord. Where you want us to stand. We want to remember and stand where the people are suffering. And pray for the people. Be a bridge to the people, Lord. Lord, there are still, you know, 25 million people living in U.S., living in North Korea without any protection and freedom. There are many who wander around in China and in Russia and ended up in South Korea, Lord. Help us have compassion toward them. Help us reach out to them. Do what you command us to do. To be the vessel. To be the bridge. To care. To love. As you have done for us. We want to obey you. We want to honor you through our life. Thank you for remembering us, Lord. As we remember the people in suffering, Lord, you do the mighty work. You do the miracle. Only you can do, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.